0: My friends, we have uh, Israel camped before Mount Sinai in the text that is before us this morning. And we know from Exodus chapter 18 that while Israel was encamped there, Moses received very special visitors. In Exodus 18... In verse 1, we read, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father in law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And Jethro, Moses' father in law, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped, at the Mount of God. And he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with with her. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and so on. Well, you can imagine, my friends, that this must have been a a tremendous encouragement to Moses. When Moses had been, uh, when Moses left Jethro, Remember, Moses had fled into the wilderness after things got too hot for him in Egypt. He fled into the wilderness and he met Jethro. He also met his wife there. He had two sons there. And then he started to travel back to Egypt to go back to the people of God. But it was too dangerous for him, or for his wife. And he sent Zipporah and his two sons back. He sent them back to Jethro for safekeeping, more than likely. And now as they come to Mount Sinai... Jethro with Zipporah, Moses' wife, and their children come out to meet Moses. So again, you can imagine Moses must have been very excited to see his wife and children again. Now, it doesn't say in Exodus 18, but we do know that uh, from this chapter in Numbers 10, our text this morning, that Moses' brother, Hobab, must have been with them as well. So Zipporah and Hobab would be siblings, Right? So uh, Hobab would have been Moses' brother-in-law. And Jethro. These all come to visit Israel and Moses. Now, we note here that Jethro is a priest of Midian. He's not a Jewish man, right? He's simply a man who Moses met in the wilderness. We note it as well, and again from Exodus 18 and verse 27, that after this visit, Jethro turns around and leaves. He goes back to his home country, and to his home family. Evidently, however, Hobab does not go back with Jethro. Because that's what we read in our text this morning, in Numbers 10 and verse 29, that Moses, as they're packing up and getting ready to leave Mount Sinai, Moses, as it were, he sees Hobab standing there. He sees his brother-in-law standing there. And then he goes up to Hobab, verse 29. Hobab, the son of Ruel. By the way, Reuel is just another name for Jethro. So read, read Jethro when you see Ruel there. Hobab, the son of Ruel or Jethro, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. Now, Hobab would have been Moses' brother-in-law. But here it says father-in-law. Again, it's not clear why. Perhaps Jethro had died, and Hobab perhaps was the eldest son, and he had moved into that position of father-in-law. It's not clear why it says father-in-law there, but uh, it may, that may very well have been what happened. At any rate, Moses' father-in-law. And then Moses extends to him this very gracious invitation. We are setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us. There's the invitation. Moses sees Hobab there. Now remember, Hobab is a Midianite. He does not belong to the people of God. But Moses turns to him and says, Hobab, join us. Come with us. Throw in your lot with the people of God. Now that's quite an invitation to make, my friends, because it also involves Hobab turning his back on his own family. It involves him turning his back. Hobab, we read elsewhere in Scripture, was a Kenite, which was one of the tribes of the Midianites. That would have been a broad term for all the different tribes that dwell in, the, in that area. And the Kenites were one of those tribes. Midianite was the broader term. And Hobab and Jethro belonged to the Kenites. And now Moses is saying to Hobab, come with us. Turn your back on all that. Throw in your lot with the people of God. We're setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. That's the what. Now there's also the where. The where, where are they going? And Moses says, to the land, to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. In other words, there's a land, my friends. There's a land promise that Israel is living under. You remember where that first began? Remember that God had promised Abraham land, seed or children, and that he would be a blessing to all nations. Well, Abraham was, was promised the land of Canaan. And the children of Israel, as they grow as a nation, are living under that promise. And Moses says to Hobab, join us, come with us. We have a place that God has promised to us, a promised land, and we're aiming, we're seeking that place. That's the where. And then the why. The why also give it. I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. The Lord has promised good. Everyone is seeking the good. People are chasing the good. And in Moses' day and in our day. And Moses says to Hobab, The Lord has promised good to Israel. Come, Hobab. Join us. Come with us. Well, we can read about Hobab's response. In Numbers 10 and verse 30, we read, But he, that is Hobab, said, I will not come, but rather will go to my own land and relatives. Now, my friends, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? There's nothing shocking about that. Of course, Hobab has a connection to his own family, to his own children, to his own parents and grandparents. There's a loyalty there, right? And, and his initial response is, no, I'm not going to go with you. Think of all the hardships you're going to face. You're traveling through a wilderness. You're going to encounter hostile tribes. And, and, and when you get to the land of Canaan, what do you think? You're going to walk right into Canaan they're just going to hand you the keys to the place? Of course not. There's going to be battles. There's going to be warfare. I'm not, I'm not going with you people. I mean, I like you well enough, Moses. I'm sure Hobab didn't have any personal animosity towards him. But I'm not going with you. Look, at, look, at, look what's ahead of you, Moses. Hardship upon hardship. No, that's, that's Hobab's initial response. But my friends, we have good reason to believe, not from our text here, but from other scriptures, that Hobab changed his mind. How do we know that? Well, because when we go to Judges 1 and verse 16, we read, we read the following. Here it's giving the, the tribes of, the, of Israel, and it says in Judges 1 and verse 16, again, the tribes of Israel are just entering the land, and in verse 16 it says, the descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the sons of Judah to the wilderness of Judah, which is in the south of Arad. And they went and lived with the people. Now, my friends, that has to put a smile on our face, doesn't it? Because now we know that Hobab changed his mind. By the grace of God, Hobab turned his back on his people and his family. And he traveled with the people of God. And actually, there's there's indications even later. We we read about the Kenites again. Remember, the Kenites would be a, a tribe of the Midianites. That the descendants of Hobab were still living with the with the uh, with the Israelites. In fact, I'm sure all the all the children will remember the gruesome story of jail. Uh, jail was a. Uh, uh, remember when Sisera was fleeing, and remember Jael, the woman that gave him some milk and gave him a place to rest and then drove a nail through his head, right? Well, that woman was a a daughter of Heber the Kenite, it says in Judges. Now Heber the Kenite had separated himself from the Kenites, from the sons of Hobab. There's Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zenaniam, which is near Kadesh. And then also in First Samuel 15, we have another instance where these people pop up. Because in First in, in Samuel 15 and verse 6, Saul is attacking the Amalekites. But before he attacks, in First Samuel 15 and verse 6, Saul wrote a letter, or he sent a messenger to the Kenites, the same people, the descendants of Hobab, go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So you see Saul there is sending a message to the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, the descendants of Hobab, saying, get out of the way because I'm coming in with my army and I don't want to kill you along with the Amalekites. So you guys get out of there so that we don't destroy you along with them. And so the Kenites are able to get out of the way of Saul's army. So we see that Hobab and his descendants continued with the tribe of Israel and so my friends, that's a beautiful story, isn't it? This, this story of, of Hobab and Moses extending this invitation to him and Hobab finally agreeing and making that good choice to go with the people of God as they travel to the promised land. And uh, dear brothers, Caleb and Adrian, as I thought about you making Confession of Faith this morning, I thought about Hobab. And I thought about Hobab's choice to join the people of God and your own choice this morning to join the people of God. And I'd like to reflect on that with you with these, in these applications on this beautiful story and what it teaches us about our own life as Christians in this world. And the first application I'd like to make is pilgrimage. And as I make these applications, my friends, I draw your attention to, to uh, Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, which, of course, is, is a letter written to a pilgrim people, to the, Jew, to the Jewish people who had become Christians and who are now traveling with the Christians. And facing all the hardships that they had to face. And the life of a Christian, then, my friends, is a pilgrimage. This is the first lesson I would have us see in this story of Hobab. That when God calls us to be a Christian, He calls us to a life of pilgrimage. Jesus said, follow me. And and, and all along the way, my friends. As we, as we live our life, we recognize, don't we, that as Christians, we are walking in a foreign country. This world is not our home. This world does not hold the ultimate satisfaction for us. I ask you, dear congregation, to look about you this morning. To look about you in this church. Because this is an assembly of pilgrims. This is an assembly of pilgrims. We are people on a journey. We are traveling to a country, and we are aliens here. Again, from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called out, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now, we don't have that Uh, issue as Abraham. We do know where we are going. Abraham did not know where he was going, but let's point out, my friends, that he was going. He was traveling. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was a pilgrim. He dwelt in a foreign land. That's why he lived in tents, my friends. That's why he lived in tents. Because he didn't have a settled dwelling place. He didn't have a house with foundation. A house with a foundation is a permanent dwelling. But Abraham lived in tents, testifying to the fact that this was not his home. That he was looking for something higher and better and greater. That he was traveling to another country. That is the pilgrimage that Moses invited Hobab to join them on. Life, the Christian life, is a pilgrimage. And my friends, as I I reflect upon life as a pilgrim, you need to know, and maybe especially our young people need to know this, and to have it impressed upon them, that if you seek to find your happiness in anything that this world serves up to you, you'll be disappointed. I can guarantee you that. Anything that this world serves up, even the, of course, the sinful things are not going to satisfy you. We know that, right? I don't have to say that. But my friends, I'm saying that even the good things that we find in life, even the friendships that we make in life, the satisfaction we have in pursuing a career, and all these things that we have, even family life, my friends, these things fall away. And they will eventually disappoint you. Because God will have his people to know that we live in this world as pilgrims. And we don't, find our home here, we don't find our satisfaction here. Our treasure is in heaven. Or is your treasure on earth? Remember what Jesus said, that if you lay up your treasure on earth, moth and rust will corrupt. But you see, Moses says to Hobab, basically those same words, he says, Hobab, don't lay up your treasure on earth. Don't find your satisfaction in your family, in your connections with your family but find your satisfaction in throwing in your lot with the people of God. For the Lord has promised good to us. That's, a, that's a, a, a pilgrimage that Moses invites Hobab to go. Which brings me to my second point of application, my friends, this invitation. This beautiful invitation that Moses makes and that I make to you this morning and that God himself makes to you this morning. Come with Us. Moses said it to Hobab, but I say it to you this morning. Jesus said, Follow me. God said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. That's the invitation that God gave to Abraham. Joshua said to the children of Israel, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of this land or the God of your fathers of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. And my friends, it's important that we understand this morning that that invitation, when it comes from God, is more than a mere invitation. That is a divine summons to obedience. Come with us. Come with us. And my friends, I want to be very clear this morning. I'm not saying come with us and join the Covenant United Reformed Church on Lover's Lane in Kalamazoo. I'm now talking about that universal church, the body of Christ. Come with us, said Moses to Hobad. Take your stand publicly with the people of God. Throw in your lot with them. What a wonderful invitation that God makes to us. But my friends, as the people of God, we also have the privilege and the opportunity to say to others, to be a Moses, and to say to others, come with us. Brothers Caleb and Adrian, I hope that in your circle of influence, you also will come into contact with people where you can build relationships with them and get to know them and also issue the same invitation to them, come with us. And my friends, I can't help but notice also in this text, the deep earnestness that Moses pleads with Hobab to come. Notice in verse 29, Moses issues this invitation, or in uh, Numbers 29, or 10, verse 29, he says, Come with us. Hobab refuses in verse 30. But then notice in verse 31, how Moses redoubles his efforts. Then Moses said, Please do not leave us. And in the Hebrew text, that is a distinct word all on its own. There's a sense of urgency here. Please do not leave us Inasmuch as much as you know where we should camp in the wilderness. There's this pleading, Moses is begging with Hobab. Make that good choice to join the people of God, to throw in your lot with them, and to turn your back on the world and all its pleasures. There's that earnestness, my friends. And I hope that in our life too, we can be as, Mo- as Moses and to say to others, come with us. I come to the third point there, decision. Decision. Because, my friends, when we stand in the the hearing of such a call, of such an invitation, and again, such a divine summons, such a divine call, it calls for decision. And, my friends, I ask you to look at Hobab this morning. Do you see him there? Here's Hobab. He's wavering between heaven and hell, between darkness and light. Moses has issued the invitation to him to join the people of God. And look what we see. We see Jethro leaving. Jethro chose to go back to his own family. He chose to return to his own religion and to his own people. Hobab is standing there. My friends, it's, it's and I, I appeal to you as parents today, because so often we stand there, don't we, when we see our children as they grow and as they mature. And as they come to that time in their life when they have to make their own decision about whom they are going to serve and whom they're going to follow in their life. There's no more important decision that you ever will make in your whole life. I I can't get that picture of Hobab out of my mind, dear friends. As a preacher, I feel it in a special way. The weight of the decision that Hobab has before him to go to the right or to go to the left. I want to bind that on your heart this morning, my friends. I want you to feel something of the weight of the decision that stands before Hobab. It's the decision that stands before every person as they make a choice of where to go in their life. And Moses stands before Hobab and he begs and he pleads with him to choose to throw in his lot with the people of God. And my friends, it's the same earnestness that every preacher. That every parent calls upon his children to make that good choice, to not draw back to their own destruction. And Mr. and Mrs. Reetster, what a blessing it is for you as parents to stand, or to sit here in church and to see your children stand there and make that decision. What an incredible gift that is from God to you. and How that should humble us after so many years of praying for your children of laboring for them. Paul says, I travailed with, my, with, with his people again. You, you, you go into labor for them again. Oh, that God would work in the heart of my child. Oh, that my child would make the choice to follow Jesus Christ in his life. And how affecting, dear brothers, it is to see you stand here. It's affecting for me as a parent to see you making that good choice. And we pray earnestly that you would live in keeping with that choice all the days of your life. But my friends, what a choice. What a... You know, I remember R.C. Sproul has the column in Table Talk when he was living, and he titled, the, the, that column was, always had the title, Right Now Counts Forever. Right Now Counts Forever. You remember that? I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. You remember Ruth and Orpah? Orpah goes back to Moab. Ruth went with the people of God. Remember what Paul said about Demas. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. In Hebrews 10, if I can take us back to Hebrews again, in in the previous chapter in Hebrews 10, we read, Now the just shall live by faith. This is in Hebrews 10 and verse 38. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. There the author puts before us those people who draw back. They stand before the hardships that all the people of God must face. They see the choice that they are called to make, but they draw back. They shrink back, and they go another direction. But thank God, my friends, we have all the examples in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That's a pilgrim, my friends. That's a pilgrim. Moses chose all the hardship of the people of God, and Moses saw it just as clearly as Hobab did. All the hardships that they would face And he looks back on a life of ease and influence and power in the house of Pharaoh. And he says no to that. And he chooses the reproach and the affliction and the sufferings of the people of God. That is a work of God's grace, isn't it? He didn't draw back, but he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. What a blessing. What a happy end, my friends, to the life of Moses. I wonder, my friends, if I can uh, move now to the fourth application here, receive good and do good. I couldn't help but notice that one of the reasons that Moses gives to Hobab was that the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. In other words, Moses tells Hobab, Hobab, God has promised us so many good things and you'll have a share in that. Hobab will receive much good. But I also know that Moses calls on Hobab to do good for the people of God. In verse 30, Hobab refuses. And Moses doubles down in verse 31. He begs Hobab, he says, please do not leave us. Inasmuch as you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will be as eyes for us. Notice, my friends, that there's a there's a reciprocal nature, isn't there, to become a member of a people of the people of God. God does you good, and that's the most important thing, right? God has promised good to us. God has promised good to all the people of God. But in turn, you have a role to play as well. You do good to the people of God. Adrian and Caleb, we call you to use the gifts that God has given you to minister to these fellow pilgrims. We're all on our way to the celestial city. We're all on our way to that new Jerusalem. And God calls us there to be a communion here, a one-anothering as we minister to each other and as we all use the gifts that God has given us to assist each other. The young assist the old. My brothers, it was good to get to know you in the Confession of Faith class. I had a little difficulty getting you to talk sometimes, but uh, we persevered, and we learned uh, and we learned from each other. You learned from me, and I learned from you. And now, as we, as we go forward into the membership of the congregation, you too have a role to play here. You will do good to us. Hobab was a man who knew that the Kenites was a, was a tribe of wandering nomads. They knew the land very well. And Moses said, Hobab, you're the perfect guy for us. You can tell us where to find the, the, the uh, places to, to find water. You can tell us the best places to camp. Of course, Israel relied on the, the pillar of, of fire, right, to guide them. But still, there were all the details, right? Hobab, you can do that for us. And brothers, I say that to you. I know you might be sitting there thinking, well, I, what can I do for this church? but you know there's good you can do. If you are a Christian, God has given you gifts and he's giving you gifts to use, to serve his people with. And that's your privilege and your blessing this morning to think about that. What good will I do for this people? The Lord has promised good to you and you can be as eyes for us. And of course that applies not just to these brothers, but to all the membership of the congregation today. We serve each other. Sometimes I think we we get the impression that, well, I serve you, right? Because after all, I'm the preacher. But my friends, that's really a terrible attitude, a terrible approach to ministry, isn't it? God has called all of us to be ministers, right? There is a priesthood of all believers. Yes, there's the office of elder and the office of deacon, but they aren't the only people who serve in the church. Let us be as Hobab, or as Moses called Hobab to be. Well, then we come to the destination. Because in all these, indica- all these uh, examples that were given in Hebrews 11, we know that they had an eye for the reward. We just read that about Moses, right? We just read that about Moses, that he was looking to the reward. My friends, the people of God, as they travel on pilgrimage through this world, as they have the promise of God, as they seek to do good to their fellow pilgrims, they are people living under a promise. We are people of the promise. God has promised good to us. And we're aiming for that destination. We're aiming for that land. That's why we're pilgrims here. That was the life of all the people of God. We read that also in Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16, as I put it there on the outline, where the, uh, the author sums up, he says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises That means without receiving the thing that God had promised them. Imagine that, my friends. These people lived under the promise of God, and when they came to die, they still hadn't received the thing that God had promised them. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, they saw it afar off. They looked into the future. They saw the thing that God promised them. They came to the end of their life without having received it. But they pushed forward. They were people living under a promise. They confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. Jethro did. Jethro went back. Orpah, with Ruth, Orpah went back. And all the people of God, they know the country that we came from, my friends. They know the world that we came out of. We have opportunity to return. But as it is, says the text, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for us. You know, I can't help but think of the elderly folks who are amongst us this morning. Because for them, that city is drawing closer. Humanly speaking, closer than for those who are younger, than the brothers who just joined the church this day. You've reached the end of your pilgrimage. And that city is close. And I want to set that before you this, this morning. Brothers and sisters who have grown old in the service of God, do you remember when you stood here and made public profession of faith? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that hour? I almost want to have all of you stand and testify to these brothers. Do you ever regret having made that decision? Was that a good choice? Was that a choice that you lived to regret? You know what they would say, my friends. They would say that was the best choice that they ever made. You know, everyone is seeking good in this world. Everyone is seeking something that they can get a hold of. Everyone is seeking something to satisfy. And God holds out before us this morning the highest good. The highest good. And that is to suffer hardship with the people of God. That sounds contradictory, doesn't it? But it's not. And the elderly here amongst us can testify that as they reach the end of their pilgrim journey, They remember the vows they made here. And God will save them, not because they made a vow here, but because God recognizes his children. God was the one who led them and brought them to that point in their life where they made that good choice to throw in their lot with the people of God. And they live never to regret that choice. God has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a country for them. And my friends, that's why I say that the invitation that Moses gave to Hobab, the invitation that goes forth this morning is not a mere invitation. It's an invitation with consequences because the alternative is unthinkable. The alternative is to choose destruction. The alternative is to draw back as we read in Hebrews 10. But the glorious destination that stands before the people of God also stands before you, my friends. And all the sorrows and all the afflictions in life that we face, all the hardships and all the pain. God sets before us this glorious city, this glorious new Jerusalem. And we see it from afar. But one day the promise of God is that he will bring us into it. He will bring us into it. All tears shall be wiped away. All hardships, suffering, and pain shall be eliminated. And all the people of God will be there. My friends, some of us have gone on before us. There have been people of God who sat in these pews, but they've passed away and gone on to that city. And one day we will follow them. I wonder, my friends, do you look forward to that? Are you, as Moses, walking through this world, looking to the reward, looking to that city? That's a happy life. That's the best life. That's the best good that I can hold out before you this morning. May God give us by faith to enter into it, and to look at that promise and to take hold of it by the grace of God. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning to give thanks, Lord, that in our life, your grace has drawn us to make that good choice with Hobab and with all the people of God, to endure hardship in this life, to travel through this life as a pilgrim, as an alien, and to be brought finally into our eternal home. Lord, help us to be people then, who live under the promise, who live here as strangers and aliens, knowing that this is not our home. Lord, when we do get too comfortable in this world, we pray that you would stir us up again, that we would not build our house upon this earth, that we would not look for a city that has foundations here, but that we would look for a heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. Lord, give us that pilgrim life, that dying life, that life where we die to ourselves and live unto Christ. We pray for our brothers, Adrian and Caleb, Lord, that you would strengthen them in the confession that they have made and that they might continue to make a good, good profession before these people and before you, O God, And that one day we might enter together into our eternal rest and praise and glorify your holy name from this time forward and forevermore. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Well, let's uh, take the blue hymnal and let's sing number 71. We'll sing the four verses of number 71. I waited for the Lord most high, and he inclined to hear my cry. He took me from destruction's pit and from the miry clay. Upon a rock he set my feet and steadfast made my way. The four verses of number 71 in the blue hymnal. blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.